um, of the series that we're going through, the book of Joshua. Uh, I'm having a blast. Uh, let me tell you, uh, the uh, couple of people who said uh, last couple weeks that I'm a little bit higher energy. I apologize. Uh, no, I don't. It's good. <laughs> I'm having fun. God's just doing some cool things here at Authentic Church. I'm telling you, look at, I mean, we are, uh, last week, the parking guys came in and said, hey, we are the last couple cars that pulled in. Those that were late, we know who you are because we parked you in handicapped parking. Okay. Uh, next week, we're going to give out uh, tickets. No, I'm just joking. We won't do that. But we are completely out of parking spaces up here. So that that ever happens and we run out of parking spaces and, and handicapped, go ahead and park out front. They let us use that area. Our dream team's already using that area. So, um, but man, also, if you'd like, the, the nine o'clock service is not this full. Okay. So if you want to come in and, and get your seat and, uh, you, you know, you want to fight over the front, front seats. I know. I appreciate you guys. We, we moved everything up this week uh, to keep, create some room. So, man, God's just doing some cool things. Mark's manliness this weekend. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is, uh, oh, man. I was talking to Pastor Bishop Monty Young yesterday, and uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, we're going to have a ton of fun. And uh, so we got, we'll find out today how the bracket's going to go. So that first and second round, uh, we'll get the, those brackets filled out if you are registered You'll get an email filled out the bracket for the first and second round. We got boys, the uh, the uh, big brothers, big sisters is going to be there uh, to help us uh, see how we as men and as a church can be involved in our community. And uh, so then we're going to donate the, the proceeds uh, from the fifty, the half of the proceeds of the tournament. Uh, the first bracket uh, will go to uh, big brothers, big sisters. So uh, get registered though, because today is the last day. We got to get everything set up this week for it. So if you're not registered, get registered. Uh, we do have limited space too. So uh, get make sure you. I know there's spots available. So that's coming up. And then connect see, uh, our connect uh, group season, our spring season, will be kicking off in two weeks. So if you'd like to lead a connect group uh, next Sunday before the uh, in between services, so during the at that uh, what time would that be? Ten ten. Uh, we'll be uh, having connect group leadership training uh, in the connect group room. So if you'd like to be a connect group leader, get in that. So again, here we go. I, I've, uh, oh, 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 my favorite thing. I almost forgot to do my favorite thing because here's what's so cool about this service. So this service gets recorded and then we send it out to the jail campus uh, and they get, they get to be a part of it. And it's also, uh, we're live online. So Facebook online, our website online, all that, uh, go on our app. You can watch it on there. Uh, but actually, uh, so you can see all that. But then we get to welcome in uh, the jail campus. So will you do this? Hey, you men and women over at the jail campus, we're so glad you're part of our church family. Come on, church. Welcome them in. Love it. I do. I, I'm so honored that you take a Sunday morning and uh, come and, and, and listen to this message. I, I really, it's, uh, I get pregame jitters. Like when I, before I speak, I, I get all like, it's my pregame. And uh, I was talking to a pastor this week, uh, a good friend of mine uh, down in, um, um, he's uh, in Portsmouth, Ohio. And blowing up, the, I mean, there's just a church is blowing up. And so we're talking, talking shop. And uh, so he, he's like, yeah, I just love, I love to speak. It's just, it's part of who I am. And I, I just listened to him go on for about three minutes about how much he just, and I finally, and I finally just said, you can stop, jerk. 
because uh, it's not easy for me. I, I mean, I, I love what I do, but it, I mean, I get so, I, I, you know, I get nervous, I get jittery, and so I appreciate, and I don't take it lightly that you come and, and, and hear this. So um, we're, we're, let's, uh, let's jump in. Your notes there uh, start off on Joshua chapter 3, but we have been in this series for two weeks. So uh, we, we started all the way back. Um, so we started Joshua chapter 1, but before you can go to Joshua chapter 1, what's the king around here? Context. Context is king. So whenever you study the scripture, you got to make sure you're getting uh, some background of where you're at in the scripture. So we went all the way back to Abraham. Uh, <laughs> I was listening. My daughter has got a karaoke machine. Uh, my seven-year-old daughter, she got one of those like bright lights and, you know, all that. And she's got these CDs that come from our children's uh, ministry, our KC kids. And uh, there are all these. Uh, oh, man, it's, she plays it real loud. And uh, the, last night I heard uh, as I'm trying to like, I'm like, I'm going to go to bed early. So I'm ready to roll in the morning. And she has going. It's 10 o'clock at night. The song, let's see if you know it. You will test out you, who went to, who grew up in church. If you were the OG, you ready? Father Abraham. And who are you? Who else? So let's. <laughs> I mean, seriously, why do like, <laughs> I love it? Why do people like when people outside the church, like if you're a visitor here, I'm sorry, this is as good as it gets. Okay. Um, <laughs> right arm, left arm. We're crazy. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, that song was like made up by a Sunday school teacher that was like, that dude is going over way too long. I got to make up some time. She's like, let's sing Father Abraham. And uh, that doesn't ever happen at our church. Uh, no. No, 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 no. I, I just go out after, after service. I go out there. I'm going to give the high fives and stuff. And if I go over, I get a glare from that room. I'm not saying it's your child. I'm just saying I get a glare if I go over. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, so Abraham, the reason why we call him father Abraham is because, uh, he was the father of, of the nation of Israel. Um, and so he was the father that God said to him, Hey, I got a promise for you wherever your feet go and whatever you see, that's going to be your land. That's the promise that he gave Abraham. So we, we can follow the story through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We see the story of the nation of Israel growing, but they're in slavery. So in, in, uh, in Exodus, uh, Moses is sent to Egypt and he says, let my people go. And uh, so Mo- Moses does that. There's the, the plagues, and I don't have time to do all that. They, spend, they get out of Egypt. They get into the wilderness. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. So 40 years in the wilderness, and they are, um, through that, all that that happens, Moses is leading them. And then we get to the book of Joshua. Now, I've done two weeks. You can go on the podcast and uh, or watch our podcast or go on our app and watch those last two weeks. But we have gotten to last week, we got the, the end of chapter 2 which says that the spies came back to Joshua. So Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. He said, go into there, um, uh, let us know what's going on. They come back. The land is ours. They are scared. And so let's go do it. And so there's an excitement in the, in the camp. And in fact, Joshua chapter 3 uh, starts off that says, Joshua, go ahead. If you, I, don't have, I wasn't able to put all these verses on your paper. Uh, but if you got a Bible, you can go to Joshua chapter 3. If you have a phone, you can open up your U version. Go ahead, open it up. Turn to cha- uh, Joshua chapter 3. By the way, if this is the only time you're getting Bible, I want to challenge you. This is a pastoral moment. Um, I, 
Uh, you need to be in the Word. Uh, don't take this guy's word for it just because I say it's there. Get in the Bible. Get in the Word. I, I, want, I want people to come up and be like, what did you mean? Uh, that, that's, that's powerful. You need to be in the Word. But I do have one caution. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to somebody this past week, and they said they were reading the Bible. They were doing really good. They started in Genesis, and they were doing good until about two weeks ago, and they got to Leviticus, where they got into the begats. Do you know what the begats are? Who knows the begats? You're the original OG over gospeled. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, the begats. It's not, a, it's not a dessert in New Orleans. It's the begats. So and so begat so and so, and they begat so and so. And it's like, oh my goodness, my ADD, my ADD kicks in, and I'm like, one line, two line, let's skip a few. I got my writing in for the day. Nobody else. You guys are all holier than I and read all those words you can't pronounce. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you get into those and you get distracted and it's so hard. So I would encourage you, don't start in Genesis. Genesis starts off good and got some great stuff. But I, I would really strongly uh, ask you to consider reading uh, in the gospel. Start off with, uh, with the John. John's a great gospel to start with. Get the gospels in you. Then go to the Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Those are... Those are where you need to, to start because, man, when you understand Jesus and his love for you, and then you can go back to the Old Testament and see how it all points to him, it's awesome. So, anyways, what was I talking about? Get your Bible out because we're in Joshua chapter 3. Just uh, By the way, the 9 o'clock, they, they counted, I think, 12 rabbit trails. I, I'm going to try to trim out a few. That's one. So, one. Uh, <laughs> Joshua chapter 3, it says that Joshua was up early the next morning. Now, you, you, let's think about that. You just got news that everybody's afraid of you and that the victory is yours. So, it's, so you guys maybe not, you, you may not be able to relate because you're 11 o'clock. Uh, but the 9 o'clock, they're like, we get to go to church. And so they got up and they got to church. You guys, you, you got all your chores done, then came to church, right? Amen. <laughs> you're laughing at yourself there. Uh, <laughs> but they, you, you ever had that feeling like you knew the next day was going to be amazing. So you got up, you got up early, you couldn't wait. To, you know, for those of you that hunt, you know, you can't wait for that hunting day. You know, that first day you get like, for some reason, it's, I mean, 4 a.m. You're like, yes, let's go. We're going to get out there and get those. Yes. Amen. Nobody. Amen. Come on. <laughs> so you get out there, you just, you, you can't wait. Those days are exciting. This is what's going on with Joshua. He can't wait to get up because he's going to take the promised land. And it says they got up, they headed to, to uh, towards Jericho, and they come to the Jordan River, <laughs> which is flood stage. They get there, and, they, and he's like, I just got to get all these people over there, and we can be in the promised land. You can imagine kind of like the frustration. In fact... There has to be some type of frustration here because it says they camped there for three days. Like, uh, meeting with his engineers, can we build a, a bridge? Um, is there something we can do? Like, rafts, how many, how many would it take to get us across? And they're working all these numbers out. And then in verse 5 is the verse that we just read. It says, Joshua told the people, concentrate, concentrate. <laughs> That's on the side of the orange bottle. Uh, <laughs> nobody? I should insert a Jim Bob joke there, but I will keep going. Consecrate. Set yourselves apart. Another version says purify. Purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. There's no preempt to this. There's no God said to him, this is going to happen. It's just he says, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Because tomorrow something's going to happen. Now, this is where we, we, our core team has been getting ready. Uh, well, Easter is one month away. 
one month from today, Easter will be, it's going to be, uh, we're going to put a lot of effort into having a great service. Now, we're not going to change anything about Sunday morning uh, because we're authentic church. And if you do something that's not authentic, then it's just faking. And then that's a bad example to do on Easter, right? So we're going to do an authentic church. But we also understand Easter is when visitors come. Like, you might want to come, like, that morning, like, consider the 9 a.m. Because this place is going to be packed because everybody that hasn't been here in six months or since Christmas is going to be here. And so you need to be, you need to make some room. But, so we understand that. It's also the time that you can have the, you're most likely to invite somebody. Some studies between 60 and 80 percent are more likely to say yes on Easter than any other Sunday. So we're going to equip you. We're going to get, we're going to be prepared for that Sunday. Now it's going to be, we're going to start a new series that Sunday and, and jumping into the, uh, that ne- next month of, of, uh, um, of messages. But it's going to be a, a, a great Sunday morning here at Authentic Church, but we're going to be ready for our guests. And we're going to, in fact, out front, there'll be uh, flags that are going to say Easter, great big sign, flags. And so you all, you have to say to them, hey, go down uh, Stone Creek Road or Old 21 or however they remember it. That just depends on what age they are. Tell them, <laughs> head out that way and you'll see the white uh, flags with the Easter on it. Pull in there and uh, I'll be waiting for you. And we're going to give you invitations next week so that you can start inviting but uh, we, we're gonna, it's going to be a blast. But I was thinking about that as we meet with the core team. I'm like, hey, what, do we, what else do we need to do to get the word out? What do we need to market? And then I, I came across this scripture. And I, I just, it hit me. If, if we were to, a, a church where God's doing great things, then we wouldn't need to market. In fact, I, I, that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to equip you to market. But because you are the best tool we have. Because there's those of you that are in this room this morning that your, your life has changed because God has been working in your life. And we get the p- privilege of being a part of that. I love uh, Ken, Kenny. I didn't tell him it was going to be a part of my illustration. But Kenny's one of those great illustrations of, uh, of uh, what happens. He came in here, uh, what, three, three and a half years ago? And he, he strolled in here and he, he was doing the whole, like, you ain't going to get me to do nothing. You ain't, I'm not going to be emotional in church. I'm, I got, you know, I got some willpower. And he came in here, and uh, I love what he says, because you watched him. If you were part of worship, you saw him on the front row, hands raised, worshiping God. Because that morning, he said it felt like a breath of fresh air. See, that's, that's what, what, what I'm talking about. Is there, you, you, there's uh, marriages that are, that are being healed right now because of what the, the, the investment you're making into this church. There's other things, that, story after story after story of people being impacted because God's doing something amazing. And so let's just keep that rolling. Let's just keep being a church that's amazing. Let's not settle for, for just being a, a, a cool church because we're cool, right? I keep telling myself, I'm cool. My daughter disagrees, but I'm cool, okay? Um, but we, I, if there's anything I can get, you don't leave anything else from this message that you get that, that God is going to do something greater tomorrow than he did today. And so let's get ourselves ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And so Joshua chapter three, verse six says in the morning, Joshua said, the priest lift up the ark uh, of the covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The people told Joshua today, I will begin to uh, make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priest who carry the ark of the covenant. When you reach the banks of the uh, uh, Jordan River, take a few steps into the river there and, and, and stop there. Your, your notes catch up here. So Joshua told the Israelites, 
Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanite, Hittites, Hivites, Pezzites, Parasites, Gigashites, Samarazites, Jebusites, Mishkinites. Mm-hmm. Ahead of you. It's not in your notes. It's in mine. Um, <laughs> look, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the earth will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. <laughs> this is pretty cool, right? And they, so I don't have enough time to read through the entire uh, transcript there, but let me let me finish the story for you. So they, they get to the they get the ark. They do exactly what God says to do. They got four men. So the ark of the covenant would have been a, a box, and they would have had four men carrying it on two poles, and they would have been carrying it, and they would have been walking. And they get to the edge of the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is at flood stage. So right now, if you go to the Tuscarora River. It's flowing pretty nice. You get there, add a couple hundred feet to each side of that, and that's what the Jordan would have looked like at that time period. And so you can imagine what it would have been like for uh, those priests who walked up, especially the two in the back, or the two in the front. The two in the back are like, let's see what happens. (laughs) I would have been the guy in the back. I'm like, you go first, bro. Uh, So you can imagine they get there at flood stage, and they have to step into the water. And as soon as they step in the water, the Bible says that the water stopped about 25 miles up from where their feet would hit the water. That 25 miles up, it became a wall. And the water that was there continued on to the uh, the Dead Sea. And they walked across, all of the Israelites walked across on dry ground. And the priest stood in the middle of the riverbed until everyone had crossed. Now, here, here's, here's what's interesting about this story is that it sounds very similar, doesn't it? Like that happened back in the day when Moses crossed the Red Sea. Except for this is different in the fact that he was getting you from one side to the other side, from where you were to where you needed to be. But this one happens different. When Moses was told to cross the Red Sea, he said, put your staff out. And two walls were created. And this one... We see that Joshua tells the priest to go out and to step into it. And then the water put a wall on one side. Now, here's what's important. So many times we keep looking back at our past miracles or what happened for grandma and grandpa or how daddy was touched or how mama was a prayer warrior. And we think that that's the only way that it can work. So we try to repeat and it becomes a one, two, three kind of thing we have with God. Well, they did one, two, three. So I'm going to need to do one, two, three. And instead of it becoming a relationship, it becomes a religion. And God says, it's not the intent. I'm not asking. I want the same thing. The purpose is the same. But how you get there is going to be different. See, you you cannot depend on your past miracles. You cannot depend on what happened to your grandparents or your parents to be what helps helps you get across. No, No, you have to know where God's taking you and how he's taking you. That'll preach. Amen, Josh. That's good stuff. Says he, chapter four begins, and as they were crossing the the uh, Jordan, God speaks to Joshua and says, "Hey, take twelve men and have them pick up twelve stones from the Jordan River, and you're going to use that to build a memorial. Memorial, and here's why: so that your children 
will look at that memorial and ask, what's it for? And you can tell them what God did in your life. See, that's the powerful thing about miracles. No, your children should not depend upon your miracle, but your miracle is not just for you. Your miracle is for your children to see how God worked in your life. So the priest stood in the middle of the riverbed until everyone had a cross. And as soon as they stepped out of the river, that's when the waters began to flow again. So don't, don't give me this. I, I was watching some National Geographic or one of those Discovery Channel, and they were explaining how this happened. And it happened because this happened. And I'm like, I wanted to be like, can I just ask one question? Why are you trying to logically explain a God that works outside of logic? See, that's the whole point. Like, they're like, well, nature wouldn't allow for it to happen this way, the way the Bible explains it. No kidding. That's why there's a super in front of it. It's supernatural. And so, so we get we get into a straight place where we have to understand that they, they God did something here. It was miraculous. The timing wasn't an accident. They stepped in, water stopped. They stepped out, water started going. They they says that they carried the stones and they kept, went went another five miles towards Jericho, and they built the memorial at Gilgal. So chapter five begins. It says the kings in Canaan were afraid. <laughs> you can imagine. Like, like, they're thinking, well, at least we have some time until flood stage ends that they, until they get over here and they can cross the Jordan. We got some ways to, to time to, to figure this out. And all of a sudden, there they are on your doorstep because God stopped the river from flowing. So they're scared out of their minds. So it says, uh, they got, uh, they were all afraid and God calls them to be circumcised. Okay, you ready? Here we go. This is, so during the wilderness, so they, uh, God called Moses and he tell, tells all of them to get ready to go into the, uh, to get away from Egypt. They are circumcised. They go into the wilderness and the entire time they're in the wilderness, they do not do any circumcisions. So God says here, you guys need to consecrate yourselves back to me. And he even says, I want to get Egypt out of you. So you need to circum, get everyone circumcised. Now he says, get flint knives. And circumcise everyone. And all the men said, hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's cringeworthy. He he says, you're going to have to be circumcised. And then the Bible says that they waited three days for the healing to take place before they went any further. Now, those of you that have ever experienced a a little snip snip know that they give you five days. Go ahead and take seven. I give you permission. That's from God to you. You're welcome. Um, I'm sorry, TMI. <laughs> Keep going. That wasn't in my notes, but it was just good. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so they get they get circumcised, and then they celebrate the Passover. And now, again, we, we don't know for sure, but Scripture uh, says that they celebrated the Passover. And before they left Egypt, that's when the angel of death passed over the, those that were marked by the lamb's blood on the doorpost. It passed over. And then the next year in the wilderness, they again celebrated the Passover. But there's no record that they celebrated again until this moment. There's like a bookends to what God's doing. So he, he says, hey, I want to get Egypt out of you. So you celebrated the Passover to go into the wilderness. Now you're back into the promised land. Let's celebrate Passover again. And as they celebrated Passover, the manna that they had been getting and that God had been providing them stopped. And they started eating from the promised land. There's a message right there. I've got to keep going. 
He says, so he gives, uh, at that moment, after they consecrate themselves, they put themselves aside, they get themselves all circumcised and all, they're all healed. Then it says Joshua is going around Jericho. He's near Jericho. Now, scholars will debate. I read a bunch of commentaries on why Joshua was near Jericho. Uh, some think it was just a reference to that's where they were camping. Others believe that he was doing some extra scouting. He was nervous about what was about to happen. Other scholars believe that it's a parallel to Jesus when Jesus would separate himself for time of prayer. And I'm, I'm along those lines that I can imagine he was walking around going, and God says, we're going to get this. <laughs> yeah, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. That's huge. Look how big those walls are. And he's walking around and he's praying and he's having this relationship, uh, that, you know, he's talking to God like, I, I thank you for getting us this far. That was amazing what you did with the Jordan River. So I'm assuming you're going to do something really crazy with this big old wall here. Because I, I can, I, that's what, what, I will never forget uh, what happened when I walked in the door when we were looking at, the, like, the first time I walked in this building. The door that's not even there because they, it's been replaced by that double door. I walked in and I stood there and I looked across this way and I saw what you're sitting in today. Because, see, when God, God gives you these, these visions, and I'm not trying to be spooky or weird or something, but sometimes God will just show you something that's, that's coming because tomorrow is coming something that's going to amaze you. Get ready because tomorrow God's going to do something that's going to amaze you. And so Joshua is doing, I believe Joshua, that's what Joshua is doing. It's in that moment that he runs into a man that is, has his sword drawn and he says, are you on our side or their side? And it's a big man. The Bible describes it that he is actually, he said, the man replies to him, I'm not on your side or theirs. I am the commander of the Lord's army. See, that, that right there, I could preach a whole message because, see, the, we don't ask God to get on our side. We get on God's side. He, God's not picking your side because you're red or you're blue. God's not picking your side because you're straight or gay. God's not picking your side because of a, a label that you put on you. You've got to get on God's side. Good stuff, Pastor Josh. That was good. Amen. <laughs> it's after this that God gives him the interesting, uh, interesting instructions on how to defeat Jericho. Now, think joshua is the commander of an army he's been in some battles you read through the deuteronomy and exodus and all that you see some battles that are in the pretty cool ones at one point uh he was in a battle where the battle plan was moses goes up on top of, of a mountain of a cliff overlooking where the battle was taking place and aaron and her were going to hold his arms up as joshua led the battle in the valley and as long as moses's hands was up then they were, they were winning. If Moses' arms fell down, they would start losing. And so Josh was like, okay, here we go. I, maybe I get to be the guy up on the hill this time. Hold my arms up, and they can all fight. And, and uh, no. <laughs> he says, I, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, get your guys ready. I want you to put some armed men in front. I want you to get seven men that have ram's horns so they can play some good worship music. Isn't our worship team tearing it up? Mm, I tell you what. And so they, they, they're there to be in front. And then behind that will be the Ark of the Covenant. And behind that will be some more armed men. And I want you to go march around Jericho. One day, one, around one day. Around the second day, one time. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, one time each. Don't say a word. Just play the, just play the worship music. 
<laughs> it's kind of like me driving to driving anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I was doing that the other day. I was I was jamming. I was I had some good old elevation worship on and I'm like, yeah. And I looked over and they're looking at me. And I'm like, yeah. I, I just went for it. I'm like, I there's no hiding it now. I said, just go. Uh, so I, then I just drove away. I don't know. But uh, so they're, they're, they're walking around. And then on the seventh day, they're to go seven times. And on, one, on the seventh time, with the, when Josh was command, the trumpets are supposed to do a long blast the, with the, the ram's horns. And at that point, they're going to shout. They're going to shout. Now, I know that they shouted in a way that it just was this miraculous moment. It's proof that the women were in that army because it was loud. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, the, uh, so on the seventh time, and the, the walls came tumbling down. Now, now here's three things I want to point out to you from these three chapters. The first thing is this, that God prepares us. God prepares us when we create space for him. God prepares us when we create space for him. This is the interesting thing about this this uh, parallel of these two events, these two miraculous events. The first one, before God gives any instructions on how to cross the Jordan, Joshua says, let's get ourselves ready because God's going to do something. So they had to be ready to receive the preparation to go where God was calling them. And before they got any word on how to defeat Jericho, they celebrated the Passover and they had to be circumcised. That's when the Lord's commander showed up. Not before, but after they got themselves ready. See, here, here's the, one of those things that I, I always get really kind of frustrated with. As people will say, I just want to hear God's will for my life. I just want to know what he wants me to do. But you don't ever shut up long enough for him to hear, for you to hear from him. We don't ever stop and just listen to how God wants to speak into our lives. There's, there's times where we're going to have to get to the Jordan and wait three days before he speaks to us. Sometimes, some of you are like that. You're right now, you've been like, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. There's my promised land. I know the promises God has for me. It's right there. And you just won't stop long enough to get yourself purified to go into the promised land. Some of you are standing at the wall going, this wall needs to come down. This addiction must be gone. I must get this. But you're not willing to to do any circumcision and get the things that, that in your life need to be cut out of your life. That'll preach right there. Let, let me just... See, so many times God's going, I want to take you into the promised land. I want the walls to fall down. I want this to happen in your life. But until you get that stuff cut out of your life, there's some relationships that you're going to have to get out of your life before you can go in there. There's some things that are going to have to remove, be removed. You're going to have to stop going to that website. You're going to have to stop doing, going into that environment. You're going to have to stop doing those things. Cut those things out of your life so that the walls can come down. But we don't stop and wait long enough or... We don't listen to hear what God wants to say to us. So we have to prepare space for him. This is what's, this has been something that God's just really nailed me on as the pastor of this amazing church. Jolie and I was just talking, uh, Jolene's my wife, for those of you that are guests or first time visitors. And uh, she, she and I, I uh, were talking uh, two weeks ago. And I said, we're just, I feel like we're on the verge of something. And I just, 
I just don't know. I, I don't know what it is. And both of us, uh, we said, hey, what's the three things that we need to nail down here at Authentic Church? Like, what's the big three? And both of us came back, both writing this down separately. Both said we need to grow spiritually. We need to grow spiritually. And how do we grow spiritually? And that's in a prayer. This church has to be a praying church. Our leaders have to be praying leaders. Our, those of you that are a part of this church, you, we need to be a praying church. And so we said this past week, we're going to add some prayer. We're, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. Like, we're, we're just going. Uh, and so every Thursday at 6 a.m. and every Saturday at 6 a.m., we're meeting here for prayer. I'm, I'm telling you because you're invited. Because there, there's nothing. There's no agenda in the prayer. There's no like, hey, this is what the, we're going to do this and then go do that. And then God's going to do this. No, we're just going to show up and say, God, my, my prayers aren't special. My prayers aren't unique. Just, we just need to get in a place where we are experiencing the presence of God and we're creating space for him. That's why every Sunday morning we start off at 8 a.m. Our dream team comes in here and we just say, God, we're ready to serve, but we just want to create space for you. We need to create space. I encourage you to do that in your life, to create space so God can prepare you. The second thing you need to understand is that God does the supernatural when we are obedient in the natural. God does the supernatural when we are obedient in the natural. I, I love this, this, this story that's taking place here because God says, uh, when he ta- tells him to go to the Jordan, he says, take a few steps in and stop there. See, stepping is not something new. Well, it depends on what you call stepping. I got to do some stepping. But no... Uh, I don't. It's bad. <laughs> but there, there, God, stepping's not something I, I'm new at. I'm, I'm kind of experienced at, at taking steps, right? Like, I, I can... Like, I'm, I'm an experienced... I'm an experienced walker. I can take steps. And he's not asking them to do anything that's outside of their realm of ability. He's just asking them to do it somewhere they've never done it before. See, this is the problem, though. Let me, let me go... I'm about to get down on, on here with you guys. I'm going to go Stephen Furtick on y'all. Ready? No, I'm joking. I can't do that. Boy can preach. Uh, okay, here, let me give you an illustration. Is this a step? Did I just take a step? No, I didn't. No. See, my, I'm still on the ground. See, this is what we do with Christianity. We want to call this a step. I like to be partially in. I like to look like I'm part of this. I like to show up on Sunday. I like to look good. I like to talk good. I, I, I want the benefits of taking a step, but I'm not sure I want to fully take the step because if you're going to take the step, you've got to go all in. See, the definition of step is completely different. When I was, uh, got to go to Israel with Ray Vanderlaan, he takes us out on this. Like, Israel's so much different than what we picture it. And so the, it was like the second or third day, he, he gets us out there in this wilderness, and it's like desert, hot, 117 to 120 degrees. And he takes us on this like five-mile hike. And like we're just walking. And we're all like to this point, like we're just like, oh, my goodness. This is so ridiculous. And we get to this place where these, like, these, these springs, it's the, the Bible that describes them where David went for rest and stuff. And he begins to sit down beside it. And he begins to teach beside it. And he's like, oh, man. The springs are so refreshing. He dips his headband in and puts it back on and dabs it on. It's like some, it's so refreshing to be in this. And then he takes his boots off and he puts his foot in. It's like, oh man, and it feels so good. 
to be a part of this. And it's just so good. And this is what Christianity is. We just like the little touch of it. But what it means to be a follower of Christ, and no joke, full on, he does a cannibal. <laughs> like, into that big old pool. And me and Corey, I was there, the pastor Corey, we're there, and I look at him. He looks at me, and we're like, and we both go, <laughs> we're, we're like right behind him, jumping in. And man, it felt so good. And we come up, and Ray Vanderlaan looks around. He looks at us, and he goes, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to dabble in Christianity. See, God doesn't call you to take a step just to feel it. He wants you to jump in. He tells them to step into the Jordan. Not just, we'll see if it works. It was a full-on step into a flooded river. God's calling you to step. And when he calls you to step, he means go all in. The priest led the way when they took the steps. Here's what's amazing. is A lot of times we take this for granted. I took it for granted. I got that ability. I got that. I can do that. Until I watched my mother-in-law get in a car accident where her feet were completely crushed in December. And taking steps for her no longer was a joy that she had. Until this past Thursday. When I got a video of her from one of our dream team members who just happened to stop by her in therapy. And she was, had a walker. And she was taking her first steps with tears coming down her face. Number one, that's a miracle of God. Number two, don't take for granted the ability and the talents that God has put in you. Let's take some steps. And if if you've fallen down, it's okay. Don't let that keep you down. If something's happened to your life or somebody has hurt you or broken you or your past in a church life or whatever world has hurt you and torn you down, it's time to step up because the miracle of God wants to work in your life. And I'm preaching and some Pentecostals need to give me some amens. I can do a Methodist nod too. That'll work. Here's the thing. We have to understand that God's one to We So many times, I was talking to Jolene. I go over my messages with her before I deliver them. I'm like, she's like, I'm like, I'm not really wanting, I'm going to get a point across. And she's like, she told me, reminded me of a story of when I, we were just dating. And we were at my house and we were goofing around. And you know how it is, young love and we're, I don't know what we were doing, but I, where there's two steps, two concrete steps up to our porch. And I was running up those steps. And I, I slipped off the first step, and my knee went into the second step, like flat on. Like, and I'm rolling. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, cry, I'm not crying. I'm not. I'm like, but I wanted to. I wanted to cry, but my girlfriend's there. So I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. It's broken. And so we go to the hospital. We get in there. The, the doctor comes in. He x-rays it. And he, he comes back with the report. You know, you wait. And it's like two hours later, they come back in. I'm like, yeah, what's going to be, doc? Surgery? How long am I out? And he looks at me. He's like, looks like you got a bruised kneecap. See, here, here's what we can do. A lot of times when we fall on our own, we messed up, we tripped up, we messed up in our walk and taking steps. We can lay there and go, I can't do any more. If I'd have just laid there and done nothing, but you need to step back up, get up and continue living your life forward. Amen. I love Proverbs 37, 23. I got, this isn't in your notes, but it's up here. It says Proverbs, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Psalms, Psalms 20, 37. Do you have that one up there? 
Psalms 37, it just says this. It says, the steps of a good man are directed by the Lord. He delights in each step. Each step. He delights in each step they take. Take that step. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. So it's, it's God talks. I love it. the marching, the taking the steps is a, is a theme here with God because he tells them, march around Jericho. March around Jericho. I, can you imagine how it would have been after the first day? Did anybody see any cracks? Second day? Any, any foundation move? Anything happening? Third day? Are you serious? Nothing. Fourth day? Guys, are we, are we going crazy? Are we, doing, are we supposed to be really doing this? Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh day. See, here's what you have to understand. Your destinies are defined by the day-to-day decisions you make. Your destiny is defined by the day-to-day decisions and steps you take. And the last point I want you to grab from this is that God's miracles are for God's glory. God's miracles are for God's glory. They go and he says before they even capture Jericho, he says everything in Jericho is to be destroyed and all that is of value given to the temple, to the tabernacle. Everything's supposed to be given. Nothing is for you. It's not for you. My miracle is to demonstrate that I am God. When he, when they crossed the, the, the Jordan river, he said, grab 12 stones and build a memorial So that your children will ask and all the nations will know and that you will remember forever and ever that I am God. My question to you is this. What kind of memorial are you building? When when your kids look at you and look at your life and you're at that point where you look back, what kind of memorial have you built? No, it's not. It's not wrong. To have a trophy case. Because there's things in our lives and there's successes that we need to have in this world. And God wants us to have those because he creates platforms with those. But if we look back and the only memorials we have is a trophy case. Or gentlemen, the deer heads on the wall. Or ladies, the kids that you raise that you show up as your child. If all you have is something that's your check mark then what memorial did you build? What memorial did you build? See, I, I want my children, this is, this is where it's, we, we get so caught up in, in building legacies. This has been a thing for me. I, I've been, my God, I want my legacy to live beyond me. I want, I want, I want it to be beyond me. And, and I got, I've been caught up in this idea of creating something that has my name on it. But as I read this scripture, first thing I found out is, even if my name becomes great, it's already great. I don't even get credit. Joshua already did it. But the men, Joshua, never led any of this. Look back at the story. It was unnamed priest. It was unnamed men. It was men who said, I'm going to step up. It's not about my name or recognition, but it's for the glory of God. See, a lot of times we want our name to be remembered but are we doing anything that's worth being remembered for? See, our hope needs to be not in my name being remembered, but what we built being remembered. I, I, I love this because it's, he says, your children are going to ask. 
So what's your motivation and what you're asking God to take you into? See, this is my motivation. That's my crew. That's my, that's, I want them to ask me, Dad, why'd you spend so much time doing that? Because God's awesome. Dad, why, why did you love me the way you love me? Because I was just trying to show you God's love. Give it all my can. When I, when, I, when I end this life on this earth, I want there to be, them to be able to answer that it wasn't Josh McDonald, but that it was something that he built and placed in them that they'll take and place in their children. See, we can't stop and think about what it is for me, what miracle I need. But I need a miracle that's going to bless somebody else. I just got this picture. That, uh, let me show the next picture. This is the school in Nicaragua that we were part of building. And they just had their first high school worship service in there. See, when you build something and a miracle isn't for you, it's for God's glory, our name isn't attached to any of this. But for young people in Nicaragua in the, in the worst areas of, of Tomas Borges gave their lives to Jesus Christ in that service. Let me show you another picture that I absolutely love. This picture is in our K5 room. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven boys right there. And I've got a man who's building a memorial right now. He's, he is worn out. He's pulling out hair. But he's loving on, on those young men and demonstrating to them, demonstrating to them that it's okay to be a man to follow Jesus and to build a memorial that gives him glory. Yeah. So the question is, what kind of memorial are we building? I, I, want, I want my miracle to be for the glory of God. 